<laughs> what? I have this numb feeling. <laughs> I'm going to give you a definite maybe on that one, John. I think we got a ding, ding, ding there, Kurt. Do you know why Chicago is called the Windy City? It was a book about modern history. To all of our listeners, I apologize for John. I don't know what's going on this episode. Well done, Kurt. That sound is smart drivel time, everyone. Kurt Schneider here with my co-host. John Ellen Paul. Hi, John. Hi, Kurt. How do people know it's time for smart drivel based on that sound since you make up a different sound at the start of every episode? Because we're trying to Pavlovian train them whenever there is a sound that's kind of out of the ordinary and not normal, they're going to think it's smart dribble time. Anything. That way, we're constantly in their minds and in their souls and in their breaths. Well, that's an unusual approach. And Pavlovian probably requires reacting to the same stimulus each time. But you have them reacting to a category of stimuli. But the same is my voice and the sound I am making. So there's no question the sound of your voice, since you kick off the episode, would be an indication that it's time for Smart Dribble. So Kurt, let me tell you what we're going to talk about today. I'm ready. We're going to talk about something that is near and dear to Smart Dribble, because our very name, Smart Dribble, is one of these. We're going to talk about oxymorons, basically two contradictory words in a row, Smart and Dribble are clearly opposites. Before we jump in, let me tell you where the term oxymoron comes from. Ooh, that was an acne product, right? So it actually comes from the Greek oxy, which means sharp, and moron, which means dull. So it's sharp, dull. It is an oxymoron all by itself. See, now that makes sense. I was just having this conversation the other day with my son, and we said words that means something should be those words. And my son was saying palindrome should not be the name for palindrome. It should be like canak or something, right? Yeah, it's just like the classic problem of monosyllabic me having so many syllables. Onomatopoeia should sound like onomatopoeia. I don't know. Do you know why Chicago is called the Windy City? I believe it's windy there. But if you look at where it ranks among the windy cities in America, it ain't anywhere near the top. Some of their buildings are canyonic and do cause a canyonic approach. But the reason why it's called that, people think it's because it's windy coming off of Lake Michigan. It's not. It's because in the mid-19th century, it was always the number two up-and-coming hard scrabble city in America, always having a chip on its shoulder that New York was number one. And they kept bellowing and bellowing, we are so great, Chicago's so great. And someone in New York, a newspaper man, said, They're the windy city because they spew so much hot air out there. So it's not a function of the weather? Nothing to do with the weather. So I did not know that. But clearly the issue is is that Chicago felt like it was second best. Well, you can't be second best, John. Either best or you're second. That's why it's an oxymoron. John, I think I'm clearly confused about this. You know why you're clearly confused? Because you're a bit of a butthead. (laughs) But see, clearly confused is an oxymoron. And so oh, is so is Butthead. Yes, that is why I said it. I otherwise wouldn't insult you unless it was for some sort of thing in the podcast that might bring us critical praise. So that's like when something is sweet and sour or sweet sour, right? 
I loved sweet tarts, the candy as a kid, and that is an oxymoronic name to the candy. Okay. That's probably a well-known secret at this point. What was your favorite candy as a kid, speaking about that? Well, that's a tough one to remember. Did you ever have the Charleston Chew? Oh, man, did I love Charleston Chew. Did you get the yellow package, the, what they called vanilla? Yeah, and you put it in the freezer, and you freeze and you it. crack it. So right near where I grew up, there was an old-fashioned candy store that survived well past the loss of old-fashioned candy stores. Well, you're pretty old, John. So, so you were probably around when they were just coming up with like penny candies or whatever they call them. You realize that we're the same age, Kurt. Four months older, John, you are than I. That means we are almost exactly the same age, Kurt. That would be an oxymoron, John. Almost we should exactly. ring a bell every time we get an oxymoron. We should, I think so. So nothing was pretty ugly? In terms of candy? Ding, 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 pretty ugly. I was just getting an oxymoron in. Candy is beautiful. When you're a kid and you go into a candy store, that is beautiful. It is not pretty ugly. Okay. I agree it's beautiful. So I would greet some of your comments with a deafening silence. Are you a nonfiction reader or a fiction reader? Yes. So you're neither is what you're saying. No, I'm saying I'm both. I don't know that I have a preference. I probably read more nonfiction than fiction. In fact, the last nonfiction book I read I'm still shaking from it. <laughs> it was a book about modern history. <laughs> I mean, that sucker turned me inside out, Kurt. Hang on a second, Kurt. Hang on a second, Kurt. I think my silent alarm just went off. <laughs> uh, to all of our listeners, I apologize for John. I don't know what's going on in this episode. But here's the thing about oxymorons. They are contradictory words that work together. A deafening silence, I get. It was so, I mean, by the way, Yogi Berra was made, right, for uh, oxymorons. What did he say? That place is so popular, no one goes there anymore. Well, look, I, I think we spent a lot of time in our podcast talking about some of the weirdness and fun weirdness in the English language. And I think there are a lot of times where an adjective describes a noun and the description of the noun is, is intentionally counter to what that noun means and it creates an oxymoron. And it makes perfect sense in the context of the whole sentence or the whole thought. But when you just focus on those two words, the classic one, of course, is jumbo shrimp. It makes sense that you'd have large shrimp and small shrimp. But since shrimp also means small, it just opens the door to all sorts of... You and I are going to have a key lime pie. Mm, I love key lime pie. And we're down to the last slice. Take it out. And I love key lime pie and you love key lime pie. So I split that last slice right in two and I say to you, would you like the larger half or the smaller half? I think we got a ding, ding, ding there, Kurt, because half indicates that it's 50%. So a larger half and a smaller half. I see what you did there. Also reminds me of what I've told the people in the past on our podcast, but it bears bringing up again, Pat Mena, the gym coach in ninth grade, telling us, I want half of you over there, half of you over there, and the rest of you come with me. So we recently did a podcast heard about music. So yeah. question for you, which do you like better? Do you like hard rock or do you like soft rock? <laughs> but not a pet rock, John. But not a pet rock. Pet so rock let's stick old blues, Kurt. <laughs> old news. Let's stick with music. Okay. John, there is a band, a very famous band. 
from the late 60s that their name in and of itself is an oxymoron. Tell us who that band is, Kurt. Well, they were one of these super bands that were being formed in the late 60s. There was Buffalo Springfield. By the way, Buffalo Springfield song, no one knows the title of this song. The song goes like this. There's something happening here. What it is ain't exactly clear. There's a man with a gun. You know that song? Stop, children. What's that sound? Everybody. It's called For What It's Worth, which no one knows the name of that song. But anyway. By the way, I think you did an awfully good job singing there, Kurt. (laughs) So let me get back to a band. Please. So they're doing these super bands, Crosby, Stills, and Nash, and Cream, and Buffalo, Springfield, Spencer Davis group, et cetera, et cetera. And this one group in England was being put together. And the critics, when they saw who it was, said, oh, my God, their music, they're going to go over like a lead balloon. And the band, of course, said, balloon, lead balloon, let's have fun with it. But the name of a group shouldn't be lead balloon. What's another name for balloon? Zeppelin, John. Led Zeppelin. got their name, Kurt. Someone said they were going to go over like a lead balloon, and that was the inspiration for their name? Yep. That's pretty good. John, these days, I know you've been working out and everything. You look sickeningly good. Sickeningly good, huh? It's the same difference to me, Kurt. (laughs) The only other one I could think of right now, which is kind of funny, was what happened the other day. You know, you get an ice cream headache or a margarita headache. An ice cream headache? You mean sphenopalatine ganglioneuralgia? Yes. I was setting you up there. What about... It is an open secret that I know the technical name for an ice cream headache. Vodka martini oxymoron. I was just thinking about what happens sometimes when you get your food out of where the ice is and you get freezer burn on your food. Burning is hot and freezing is cold. Thank you for the explanation. That is an oxymoron, Kurt. Or the product that Shaq likes to to show right now on TV, Icy Hot. I have a refrigerator-freezer combo in my office. And it hasn't been opened in a very long time. So it is a definite possibility that there is freezer burn products in there. What do you think about people who say things like that? Definite possibility. Or I have a love-hate relationship with them. <laughs> you didn't, you didn't. I have a friend who likes to say, to be honest, blah, 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 blah. No, please lie to me. Yeah, I don't like that either. And I don't like when people say, I don't disagree with that. I don't hate that idea. So we've talked about this before. That's when I talked about it doesn't suck and it could be worse. When someone says that to me, I am left with this numb feeling. (laughs) Do I get a ding, ding, ding for numb feeling? You know what? I give you one, but it's bittersweet that I give you one. Uh, Very nice. You know what? I can understand. I think it was more of a sure bet, but you make your own choices. Would you have gone to Vegas when it was first coming out in the 40s, when it was just a pile of sand? I would have loved to. Why? Because it would have been hotter than the 80s. It would have been nothing there. And who are you going up against? Are you going up against, what was his name, Bugsy Siegel? Um, you mean going up against the casino? Yeah, and the, and the gangsters and everything there? I guess so. But I, I know that there are not even odds <laughs> to go to a casino. Do I get a ding, ding, ding? You're not holding up your end of the ding, ding, ding bargain, Kurt. (laughs) Because you have too many. You're doing a great job. So back to Vegas for a second. Yes. Okay. 
Who would you have liked to have seen perform there live in their heyday? So I'm talking about the 50s. Like Sinatra? Yeah. I think Sinatra would have been cool to see in person. Me too. I was told that Dean Martin, you know, he always played the drunk, but almost all the time, his the drink in his hand was not alcoholic and he just played it that way. But well, the Rat Pack was pretty cool, I think. Except Peter Lawford, I'm not sure he really fit the bill there, right? The other three were out there performing all the time and he was sort of the fourth Rat Packer. Okay. Why are you telling me this, Kurt? I just thought of Vegas. I don't know why. It popped into my head. Is there anything oxymoronic about Vegas that you wanted to highlight? What's the difference between an oxymoron and a paradox, John? What's your definition of a paradox, Kurt? A seeming contradiction, but it's not. Well, it's possible that an oxymoron is a kind of paradox. Do you think if this live recording we're doing of the podcast, live recording, Kurt, were done in front of an audience, that they would be in a dull roar right now? I think they were hoping that maybe we'd be in virtual reality. Hopefully, they wouldn't have zero tolerance. You're not accepting zero tolerance, huh? I'm giving you maybe a half a ding on that. I'm not... Just a ding? I get the point of oxymorons, right? I get the idea, but don't they have to be complete? Like, I want your unbiased opinion. Don't they have to be completely opposite? Well, I think some are more explicitly opposite than others, but I think the concept of each of the two words can be opposite as well. So home office. In the old days, home is distinctly different from the office. Whereas these days, with a lot of people working from home, even before the pandemic, there's been a blurring of home and office and work and non-work time. So maybe that's sort of in the neighborhood of an oxymoron, a little bit less explicit than it was before. So like ice water, that's pretty explicit. No, it's not explicit to you? Oh, because... because They're opposites. I, no, I think ice liquid would be an opposite. Gas ice. Okay. But you can't say gas and ice and ice and water or not because they're all forms of the same. All forms of water. Right. But the oxymoron is the state, gas, solid, or liquid. Okay, fair enough. So you're going to give half a ding, but we can agree that plastic silverware is a bullseye. Plastic glasses as well. That's right. And as men's, as running tights become more and more popular, I have recently seen advertised loose tights. So we can agree that that is a total ding, ding, ding. Right, Kurt? You know what's not? But unfortunately, it's making a comeback and it shouldn't. Acid wash jeans, John. That is not a positive development. By the way, do you know where, I don't know if I've told you this before, where Paul Simon came up with the name of the song, Mother and Child Reunion? He was at a diner, probably in upstate New York or it could be Queens where he grew up. And there was a dish, which was chicken, fried chicken and eggs. Right. It was called the Mother and Child Reunion. It's a great song title, and we should explore the origins of song titles. We recently talked about the women whose names are in song titles, but song titles are a category we could definitely... In fact, we could make a new tradition (laughs) (laughs) of these things. I bet you there are a lot of oxymorons in song, right? It seems like it would name... Or poems. Poetry probably lends itself to oxymorons. Well, I think story and lends itself to opposites because there's a tension and a drama that comes out of opposites. And some things are the real deal and other things are genuine imitations. 
<laughs> but you're onto something there with tension. Tension is a really interesting concept because there has to be conflict for there to be tension. But tension is both a positive and a negative. Of course, there's positive tension. And there's negative tension. So it's sort of an oxymoron in and of itself is one word. Well, let me ask you this, because you are a hardcore history buff, as all of our listeners must know by now. Do you prefer the Civil War, ding, ding, or the Great Depression <laughs> eras in history? <laughs> Both being oxymorons. I hope. I hope they are oxymorons, because then they'll make more sense. But Civil War... I guess there's never been a war that's been civilly... I think war is an uncivil act, and I think civil is a civil act, and civil and uncivil are opposites, so we meet the test. What do you we think the, the boxes? What do you think the first war was? Adam and Eve must have had a war. You're so close. Cain um, and Abel. Cain and Abel. If you, Adam if, raised a cane. Bruce Springsteen. Great song. If you, if you believe the... Well, Whatever. It's part, if you, if you're part of the creation story, it would be Cain and Abel. So it only took John a half a generation or one generation to start war. That says something about the human being, doesn't it? I think we're capable of great highs in the form of love and community and generosity. And I think we're capable of extraordinary lows when it comes to violence and antagonism. In fact, that would make humans somewhat oxymoronic. Kurt, when you were running the Harlem Globetrotters for all those years, did you ever have a quarter or a year of negative growth? <laughs> no, I did not. Thankfully, I didn't. If we were to record a podcast one day and you couldn't make it, would you recommend that I go get a guest host? <laughs> See, because a host, right, okay. Ding, ding, John, ding, ding. I think that that is deceptively honest of you to say that you would like to have a guest host instead of me. I didn't say I would like to, and I acknowledge deceptively honest. I didn't say I would like to. You get a ding, though. Would. In fact, I would not. I asked you if you thought that I should. Ring dings or yodels, John? Absolutely, hands down, my unbiased opinion is yodels. <gasps> Why? Oh, yodels. Yes, of course. Because there's something about the ring ding that I just never really liked, even though I think they're probably made of the same things and they're just different shapes. But I loved the yodel. And I loved the yodel. The yodel was small, had the silver thing. You could take it off and then make like a little cup out of it, like a chalice. And then it was rolled up. Oh, man, I love the yodel. I wrote to them in sixth grade to try to get a whole box of yodels sent to me, but I didn't get it. You could have just asked your mom to get your whole box of yodels. That, that wouldn't have been fun. Easier. No. And I don't think she would have done it back then. My mom was into making carob brownies back then, oh, which, boy. by the way, should have been an oxymoron right there. If I were offered a carob whatever, I think I would wake up in a cold sweat. Ding, 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 ding. Thank you very much. Thank you for that. And by the way, those things are messy, eating some of those yodels and all that kind of stuff. You've got us into a fine mess. By the way, what? who's the one that said that? That's another fine mess you've gotten us into. Laurel and Hardy? or That's uh, quite a fine mess you've got. Was it Laurel and Hardy? This is another fine mess you've gotten us into. By the way, Twinkies, there is a- Twinkies or yodels? I'm going Twinkie hard here. I love yodels, but... Twinkie. Do you remember in the 70s, we had the Chocodile? I think we talked about this. What was the pink cupcake? Hostess Snowball, John. Snowballs. So I want to tell you a story about Hostess Snowball. Okay. 
I was skiing because I go every year with a bunch of fraternity brothers, John. And we flew into Denver and we had to get up to Vail and we took a bus. It was called Vans to Vail. And two of us were late. The rest of the guys had already gotten up there. So we got on the van and we pulled off like 45 minutes into it to go to a gas station. But right before we went to the gas station, we started playing on computers. This is a long time ago, some golf game. And we had three hours in a car and there was this 12-year-old kid sitting next to us. We said, you could play with us, but we're playing a beer a hole. He said, well, I'm too young to drink. What can I do? And I said, hostess snowballs. <laughs> so we went and bought a lot of beers and hostess snowballs. If he lost a hole, he had to eat a hostess snowball. If we lost a, lost a hole, we had to drink a beer. Hostess snowballs, John. Well done. And you know what? Horatio Alger, Horatio Alger was all about the newsboy, right? Who would sit there and had coal on his face and he would sold newspapers for a cent, but then he worked himself up by the bootstraps. We don't have bootstraps anymore and became chairman of the board of all these companies, right? That was a Horatio Alger story. Do you think that's still an opportunity in America to have that? Or has that become an oxymoron in and of itself? I think it clearly still an opportunity. I mean, look at folks like Zuckerberg, not that he grew up without means, but he created a, an entity in college that went on to be worth now hundreds of billions of dollars. So let's leave any positive or negative comments about the company aside. I think our economy and our system is the one that makes it much more possible for Google's and Facebook's. Well, Google's an even better example. You know, Sergey Brin was not born in the US. He comes to the US and he meets Larry at Stanford and they go on to create a company that has changed the world. Steve Jobs did not grow up of great means. In fact, he was adopted and he had his own stresses growing up. So our system is still set up to make it more possible for those things to happen here. That being said, it's obviously much more available to some than others. But fundamentally, the system we have access to capital, entrepreneurial spirit in the country's identity makes it much more likely for those stories to happen here, generally speaking, than other places. So yes, but which is not to suggest there's equal opportunity within the country, because of course, there's not. Okay. What was your question? (laughs) Did I answer your question? Uh, Yeah, I was going to try to answer you with some sort of oxymoron, but all I can think of is I'd rather be eating a hostess snowball than airline food. Uh, there's an oxymoron, airline food, because what they serve, that ain't food. Well done, Kurt. Thank you. John, we need to wrap up this episode of Smart yeah. Drivel, the ultimate oxymoron. Yes, and I'm almost ready to do that. Have you ever bought anything, Kurt, sight unseen? Keep going. When you were growing up going to school, did you ever have a student teacher? Ooh, that's an excellent one. Okay. Did you ever have your office in an industrial park? Also, good one. By the way, why do we park in a driveway and drive in a parkway? So I think once again, <laughs> ding, 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 it is time to wrap up this particular episode of Smart Dribble. We will be back next week with another new episode. Thank you for joining us. We hope you'll join us again next week. Until then, I'm John Ellenthal. And I'm Kurt Schneider, where we promise the drivel and hope for the smart. Hey, Kurt, have you ever gotten a ticket from the police for coming to a rolling stop? (laughs) Let's stop now. Thank you, everybody. See you next week. Bye. Bye.